I can't imagine that he will allow a filibuster to stop the black folks in his state and other states from exercising their right to vote. Well, maybe you need to expand your imagination, well, Congressman. I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. Never is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. Yes, we also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the Internet's on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and pretty much all of your favorite podcast sites, I hope. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast in which, Desi Doyen, I've got a terrible idea. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. I've got a terrible idea, but I think it's a really good idea. And I think we're going to talk about it coming up uh, in a little bit with my guest. But let me start here. Senate Democrats are set to try again to advance a sweeping elections and voting overhaul bill, testing objections from Republicans. What's there to test with a vote planned for this coming Wednesday? In the U.S. Senate, the uh, that, according to the Senate Democrats, majority leader Chuck Schumer, he announced this, of course, in a letter to colleagues in the letter. Schumer said Republicans, quote, must come to the table to at least open debate on the bill. Why must they do that, Chuck? Why would they do that, Chuck? Do you know something that we don't? Well, maybe you do. I hope so. Weeks in the making, the new version of the For the People Act, now Senator Joe Manchin approved and renamed the Freedom to Vote Act in the Senate, was drafted in hopes of winning over support somehow from Senate Republicans at a time when states controlled by Republicans continue mounting obstacles to voting. Though the uh, measure was modified to win Manchin's approval, it's still a really good and critical piece of legislation. It really is. 
including tons of uh, critical democracy reforms like automatic voter registration, minimum requirements for absentee and early voting in all states, rules that would limit the most disenfranchising of photo ID uh, voting restrictions. It would require hand-marked paper ballots for all voters in all 50 states. Thank you. And it would put curbs on extreme partisan gerrymandering, among other much-needed stuff that would be good for all voters and for democracy itself, if not for the Republican Party itself, at least as they see it, in their aim to put party over both country and democracy itself. Schumer noted that if the Republican senators have ideas, quote, on how to improve the legislation, we are prepared to hear them, debate them, and if they are in line with the goals of the legislation, include them in the bill. He challenged Republicans not to oppose the measure, blocking it with a filibuster, and, quote, at the very least, vote to open debate. The test vote to that end is expected on Wednesday. I would expect it to fail at least to fail to get the 60 votes that would be needed to overcome a Republican filibuster required to open the debate that Chuck Schumer is hoping for here, even if it receives the vote of the entire Democratic caucus once again. Yes, including both Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema voting in favor. But that is not enough to move it forward. This uh, push for an overhaul, notes AP, comes as Texas and other states are putting in place new voting laws that are a return to Jim Crow-style restrictions, making it difficult to cast ballots, especially in black and minority communities. And as we've been reporting in recent weeks, an increasingly and often unabashedly authoritarian Republican Party is now challenging and indeed posting a direct threat to the entire American democracy experiment. Yes, the stakes are that high. West Virginia's Joe Manchin, in this case, has actually led the effort to revise the earlier for the people version of the bill, uh, as it was named and passed by the House before it ran into a Republican wall in the U.S. Senate, Manchin insisted somehow he could get 10 Senate Republicans to join him in protecting democracy. So far, at least as far as I know, zero Republicans have stepped forward to do so. In the evenly split 50-50 Senate, Democrats hold only the most slim of margins. That, since they have the tie-breaking vote for now in their, uh, in their favor from Vice President Kamala Harris. But support from Republicans is, uh, is going to be needed in order to reach this 60-vote threshold to advance the bill past the opposition in order to just debate the bill at all. That, unless Manchin and Cinema change their positions to allow a carve-out for the filibuster to allow passage of bills like the Freedom to Vote Act, which protect voting rights and democracy itself, just as Republicans voted to allow a carve-out for the filibuster to allow them to pack the Supreme Court with three Donald Trump justices. Three Donald Trump nominees who would have never been seated on the court in years prior until the Republicans 
simply did away with the filibuster there. Yeah, Republicans are totally in favor of filibuster reform on the two things that they care about most, tax cuts and judges. Correct. The Senate has also allowed a filibuster carve-out for budget-related bills. Uh, a carve-out that Democrats hope to use on the Build Back Better Act that Manchin and Cinema are also holding up from passage right now. Senate Minority, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Thursday declared that the new voting rights bill is, quote, going nowhere. In his statement, McConnell accused Schumer of wanting to, quote, stage another political stunt with the scheduled test vote, falsely describing the Freedom to Vote Act once again as, quote, a partisan power grab. Of course, this bill is anything but a partisan power grab. It applies to Democrats and Republicans and Greens and Libertarians and independent it voters sets, alike. Yeah, it sets a floor on the minimum amount that's necessary to make elections fair. Right. It's not, uh, you know, a partisan power grab by any stretch of the imagination unless your imagination is, uh, well, you know, like Mitch McConnell's, who's got a wild imagination. He'll make anything up to stop bills that he thinks will hurt his party, even if he has to call them falsely, lie about them as a partisan power grab. What it does is allow more people of all parties to access the ballot box. If anything, it's certainly a democracy power grab, a democracy power grab away from those hoping to strangle democracy in their lurch to the far right authoritarianism and minoritarianism, minoritarian control of the nation that uh, Mitch McConnell seems to be pushing. On Thursday, third quarter fundraising totals were released by both the Democratic and Republican campaign arms in the U.S. House. The fundraising committees, uh, while the fundraising committee aiming to help Democrats maintain their very slim majority control of the lower chamber of Congress, said that they raised $106.5 million through the end of last month in the third quarter, narrowly edging the $105 million that their Republican counterparts announced collecting over the same period. Essentially, they both raised the same amount of money before a midterm election year where historically the party out of power picks up House seats. Even though Democratic House members received millions of more votes in 2020, but they won just a four-vote advantage in the U.S. House thanks to Extreme partisan gerrymandering by Republicans after the 2010 census, the type of gerrymandering that the Freedom to Vote Act aims to do away with. Now, we've now just uh, completed the 2020 census. What does that mean? Well, that kicks in the redistricting process once again now in all 50 states to account for changes in uh, population over the past 10 years. That, after last year's ruling by the GOP's stolen U.S. Supreme Court that the federal judiciary may no longer intercede in any state redistricting processes, leaving states controlled by Republicans or Democrats to gerrymander the hell out of their states for partisan advantage if they wish. And there is no federal court who can have any say about it. Now, Democrats are very proud of their fundraising numbers here in the third quarter, pointing out that the uh, Democratic congressional camp 
campaign committee, that's the DCCC, had its best third quarter ever for an off-year election, taking in $38.5 million alone between July 1 and September 30, with nearly $15 million of that coming in uh, last month alone. Uh, good. Good for them. My question, do any of those numbers, those fundraising numbers at this point, even matter? Without a ban on extreme partisan gerrymandering, as included in the Democrats' still-imperiled Freedom to Vote Act, uh, Republicans are set, according to experts anyway, to pick up enough seats in the U.S. House simply by redistricting and creating new, even more extremely partisan congressional maps. That will allow them alone, just the redistricting, to take back the majority in the U.S. House and effectively end the Biden agenda. And, more importantly, the democracy agenda. To end it in its tracks next year and potentially then for the next decade in this country, even if Americans vote exactly as they did in the 2020 election. Even if Democratic members receive far more votes, Democratic members of the House receive far more votes than Republicans, they would still lose control of the U.S. House under these new maps that Republicans are drawing up right now. And by the way, so are Democrats in states that they control. The stakes here could not be higher. Not only for who controls Congress, but for the Democrats' wildly popular but still only proposed expansions of health care, education, and so much more, including, uh, as Desi will tell you, as I will tell you, the first real efforts to take on the climate crisis. All of that is in the Biden agenda. But... That's not to mention the future of American democracy itself. Yes, the stakes are now this high. Do those high stakes call for extraordinary measures by Democrats in Democratic-controlled states? I would argue, after a whole bunch of consideration on this matter, that yes, they do, even if I do not like what I am now in favor of when it comes to the battle to save democracy itself. I don't like what I'm in favor of. But I think it's necessary at this point to save democracy. I hate it, in fact. But I do think we need to talk about it. Let's take a break here and we will come back and I will explain all as I am joined by redistricting author and expert David Daly, of fairvote.org to see if he can talk me off of the <laughs> ledge. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
I'm worried about. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We'll see if my guest is worried about that as well. Four Oregon Republicans this week filed suit in state court to block a congressional redistricting plan that would lock in a Democratic advantage for the next decade. Well, how dare they? The Republicans are alleging that the new map violates state law. The lawsuit filed by a former secretary of state, two former legislators and a one time mayor of a small town say the new maps run afoul of a state law that bars partisan consideration from the redistricting process and runs counter to state constitutional provisions meant to protect voters. Can you believe the Democrats would do that? <laughs> As the Hills Reed Wilson reports, the Democratic-controlled legislature muscled through the new maps last month. Governor Kate Brown, a Democrat, signed the measure hours after it passed the legislature. The new maps are likely to give Democrats control of five of Oregon's six congressional districts. The lawsuit charges the, quote, the result of this highly partisan process is a clear, egregious partisan gerrymander. If the maps are allowed to survive, Oregon's constitutional and statutory prohibitions against partisan gerrymandering are effectively meaningless. To achieve the partisan split in Oregon that gives Democrats an advantage, the new maps split 13 counties between multiple congressional districts three times more than the map passed a decade ago. It divides more than twice as many census tracts between multiple districts. Gerrymandering is cheating, the state House minority leader, Republican Christine Drazen, said in a statement with a straight face. This challenge is an opportunity for the courts to fix the political gerrymandering and create maps that truly represent Oregon. Democrats have defended the map that they drew accusing Republican lawmakers of operating in bad faith by introducing their own heavily gerrymandered maps before the legislature passed the Democratic favored plan. Redistricting is always a complex task, and this time we faced more challenges than ever before, said the Democratic State House Speaker Tina Kotek after the maps were passed, citing the pandemic and delays in Census Bureau, da Bureau data that forced lawmakers to work on a shortened time frame. Against some incredible odds, she said, we got the job done for the people of Oregon. The case now will go before a five-judge panel appointed by the state's chief justice. That panel would redraw districts if it disagrees, I'm sorry, if it agrees with the Republicans that the lines violate state law. Well, good. The Republicans should challenge the map under state law if they feel that it is unfair. Hopefully the state court will determine ultimately if it follows the state law and the Constitution there. As The Hill correctly warns, the lawsuit is one of the opening salvos in what is expected to be a barrage of litigation challenging virtually every map passed by a partisan legislature in all 50 states. Already, Republicans have sued over Democratic-drawn maps in Illinois. Meanwhile, Democratic groups have sued several states preemptively, including Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Louisiana, and Minnesota, in anticipation of a gridlocked process in which neither Democrats nor Republicans can reach a majority necessary to approve the new maps. 
thanks in no small part to the Republican majority on the packed and stolen U.S. Supreme Court last year, which decided that federal courts may have no say in partisan gerrymandering. Uh, gerrymandering. It's left up to the states to work out for themselves, and this is what we now have. Of course, partisan-controlled legislatures know that. In Texas, late on Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning this week, as Mother Jones election journalist Ari Berman tweeted, the Texas House passed an extreme gerrymandered GOP state house map at 3.30 a.m. last night. Democracy quite literally dying in the dark, he observed. He details the new maps uh, as such. He says whites make up 40 percent of the population in Texas, but will control 59 percent of the districts. Hispanics make up 39 percent of the population, but they will control just 20 percent of the districts on the new Texas Statehouse maps. That, even though it is largely due to growth in the Hispanic population in the state, the Texas will receive not one, but two new members of Congress. And perhaps most disgracefully of all on the new state house maps from Republicans, though black voters comprise 12 percent of the population in Texas, they will control a scant 2.7 percent of the districts. The Texas Tribune notes the new maps will, quote, fortify Republican strength in the state house for the next decade, despite the rapid expansion of minority voters in the state. The current the current partisan breakdown of the Texas House is 83 Republicans and 67 Democrats, even though Trump only won 76 percent of the current House districts in 2020. The new maps being created will only add to the imbalance favoring Republicans because those same Republicans are the ones who get to decide who their voters will be, and no federal court, at least, is now allowed to tell them otherwise. The gerrymandering gamesmanship, some might argue, is happening on both sides of the political spectrum. But I'm not sure that's true. The extreme partisan gerrymandering appears, at least for the moment, to be far more extreme on the Republican side of the aisle. Perhaps my guest will advise me otherwise momentarily. Mother Jones' Ari Berman also noted in response to the Texas gaming of uh, districts uh, in their uh, state houses for an extreme partisan advantage. He said, I can't emphasize this enough. The Freedom to Vote Act... That's the Joe Manchin-approved compromise version of the For the People Act, now pending a uh, vote in the uh, U.S. Senate. The Freedom to Vote Act would ban extreme racial and partisan gerrymandering being rushed through by Republicans in states like Texas. But Democrats are running out of time to pass that law before new maps become the law. Of course, to pass it, at this point, the Freedom to Vote Act, Manchin and all of the other Democrats will have to agree to some sort of carve out in the filibuster rules in the Senate to allow for the passage of democracy related bills in order to overcome Republican obstructionism to any and all election reform. The most likely story going forward, at least at this point, at least at this hour, with Congress currently blockaded by Republicans and the U.S. Supreme Court removing federal judges from the process entirely, 
is that extreme partisan gerrymandering will move forward wherever state courts allow it to do so, even as lawsuits can likely be expected in every state of the union, challenging whatever maps are created for use over the next decade by whichever party does so. Republicans are expected to be the ultimate, if artificial, winner as all of the legal dust settles. But with democracy itself on the ballot as much as anything else in the next several elections, does that have to be the case? Is there a way that Democrats can at least try to even the score despite congressional inaction and the lack of federal judicial help here? I've got an idea about that that I would like to discuss with my guest who literally wrote the book on extreme partisan gerrymandering. David Daly is a senior fellow at the nonpartisanfairvote.org where he continues to fight for fair elections for all and the end to extreme partisan gerrymandering, which he documented in his first book with the unpronounceable on the radio name that we simply refer to as Rat Flipped. The true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy and his new book out this year is much more pronounceable. It is called simply Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to Save Democracy. Dave Daly, my friend, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Always a pleasure, Brad. Thanks for having me on. All right. uh, So before I get to my ideas of how Democrats ought to move forward here, Uh, Let's talk about how bad this problem really is as you see it and what is currently expected if the status quo, if you will, moves forward as 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 folks like you see it. Is it true that Republican uh, Republican redistricting alone can restore, can flip the House, can restore a Republican majority in the U.S. House next year, even if Americans vote pretty much exactly the same way? that they did in 2020. Can that possibly be true? Yes, it can be true, and in fact, it is true. Things are really bleak for the Democrats on the redistricting front. I'm going to bring out the dark clouds really early in this conversation, because I think it's that dire for the Democratic Party right now. I mean, if you look at the 2020 election, Democratic candidates for the U.S. House won 4.7 million more votes than Republican candidates. Mm -hmm. But that only turned into 223 seats, which is a five-seat majority. Republicans, simply by redistricting in Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, and Florida alone, before you even get to the handful of other states, where they can pick up individual seats, Mm -hmm. could probably get at least twice the number that they need to flip the House simply by gerrymandering those states. So then if you were to rerun the 2020 election under 2022 lines, a margin of 4.7 million votes might not be enough for Democrats to hold the chamber. And in that case, it's not just Democrats who uh-huh. can't hold the chamber, right? It's a majority of Americans who have expressed yeah. their desires for for who their leaders are to be mm-hmm. are going to be turned aside. So let me just underscore that number, because I know a lot of times you hear these numbers, a lot of it get, gets lost. So there in in 2020, as I understand it, there were uh, members of the House uh, that are now seated received 
4.7 million more votes than Republicans. And and that gave the uh, Democrats essentially a four-seat uh, majority. Now, if we hold another uh, election, and we will in 2022, under these new uh, maps we that, we, we, that we, <laughs> we hope we will at this point, that will be drawn <laughs> under the uh, uh, over the next uh, several months here. If people vote the exact same way and America Americans vote for uh, Democrats by 4.7 million with 4.7 million more votes than they vote for Republicans, Republicans will end up controlling the House. In other words, it's not just the Senate, which is currently a minority, uh, essentially, uh, 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 you know, controlled by the minority of Republicans who are able to stop everything. The U.S. House would now be facing a, a similar situation as well as of uh, twenty, the beginning of twenty twenty three. Well, yes. Um, I mean, in twenty twelve, the first election that was run on the current maps that Republicans dominated during the last redistricting cycle, mm-hmm. Democrats won one point four million more votes in that election for mm-hmm. the uh, the House, and yet Republicans held, I believe, two hundred and thirty four seats and. John Boehner and Paul Ryan held on to control of the chamber anyway. And is there anything other than partisan gerrymandering that can explain this? Or is this completely entirely because of extreme partisan gerrymandering that, you know, really began in earnest, as you document in your book back in uh, 2010? I mean, is that it? Is it, or is there political uh, preferences or something, or is it simply the maps, simply the numbers here? It's largely simply maps. I mean, political geography in a handful of states plays into this, mm-hmm. and that helps Republicans because Democrats often are more packed in into urban areas, so it is easier in some ways to gerrymander them. But the simple reality of it is that Republicans took control of this process in 2010 by winning state legislatures, Mm -hmm. not simply in states that they already dominate the political geography of, right? Mm -hmm. They took over state legislatures in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Ohio and Michigan and North Carolina and Florida and Georgia, and they have held those chambers ever since, despite not always winning more votes. I mean... If you go back to the 2018 election, after the 2018 midterms, 59 million Americans, that's just about one in six of us, lived in a state in which one or both chambers of their state legislature was controlled by the party that won fewer votes. Mm -hmm. And not to give a spoiler alert here, but all 59 million of those Americans lived in a state where Democrats won more votes and Republicans held the chamber anyway. So, yes, as you say, you know, it's not just the U.S. Senate that has this huge minoritarian mm-hmm. advantage that has, has favored the Republicans in recent years. It's not just the Supreme Court and the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. It is also the U.S. House, and it is also state legislatures. And it's not automatic. It's because they've taken control of the process, and they've drawn this for themselves. Yeah. And and they've drawn it for themselves, as you note, at the 
the state legislative level, they're able to lock in uh, this advantage in the U.S. House, and they're able to lock it in at the state legislative level where they draw literally their own districts in most cases. Now, before I get to the argument, the reason that I wanted to have you on, uh, David Daly, because I think I have been thinking about this quite a bit, and I think there is something that can and should be done about it. But which uh, states would you advise moving forward in the next few weeks and months? Should Americans most keep their eyes on? What? Which are you most concerned about? I note, I note for example, uh, over the summer, and you pinned this to the top of your Twitter feed, that even in some states where there is supposed to be an independent, nonpartisan redistricting commission, those commissions themselves are also being gamed. You sent up an alert in uh, in August that Michigan's new independent redistricting commission was close to hiring a law firm infamous for advising and defending some of the most egregious GOP gerrymanders of the last decade. Did that end up happening in Michigan? What does that mean for Michigan's newly supposedly independent redistricting commission, which I believe uh, was approved by voters to try to overcome the partisan GOP state legislature's uh, blockade. It certainly did happen, yes. And I think that it is evidence of how hard and how determined Republicans are to maintain a role in redistricting, even when 63% of voters in Michigan say, we don't want operatives like you in the room they come in zombie style through the window, any way they can possibly get in to try to influence these maps and this process. I'm worried about a state like Arizona, where Republicans have enacted a seven-year strategy to try and hijack the independent commission there by trying to place a Trojan horse Republican as the chair Mm -hmm. of that commission. And it involved manipulating a handful of state boards and appointments and putting, you know, cronies and, 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 and family members in, in key positions there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you might see an independent commission in Arizona that actually hands Republicans an additional two or three seats <laughs> there. Um, in- we've just seen in Virginia that the, uh, the, the, chair, the uh, co-chairwoman of the independent commission there stepped down because the partisans were exerting so much pressure. There were states that we had hoped this would not be as much of a problem as it was 10 years ago, and what we're finding is that it's still very much an issue in those states. Uh, You know, I I opened uh, the segment with a, a, a reference to the Republicans in Oregon who are challenging the Democrats there, claiming that the Democrats have carved out a partisan advantage for themselves. Is this, in fact... uh, What's that? The horror. Uh, Yeah, I know, the horror. How dare they? But is this, uh, in fact, a a balanced matter, as some would argue? Are, you know, Democratic-controlled states just as bad as Republican-controlled states, you know, where they have the power? Are they doing the same kind of extreme gerrymandering in Democratic states as they are in Republican states? Back in 2011, the last time we drew these lines, Republicans controlled the process and gerrymandered Ohio, Michigan, Virginia, Florida, Wisconsin, Texas, Georgia, Alabama. We keep going, right? And they gerrymandered all of those states in such a way that they handed themselves 
by most accounts, by most academic studies, somewhere between 14 and 18 seats in the U.S. House, mm -hmm. and they locked in control of all of those state legislatures, even in years where they lost by hundreds of thousands of votes in the popular balloting. Um, Democrats stole a seat in Maryland that they shouldn't have had. They took a 7-1 advantage there instead of the old 6-2. So, yes, Brad, both sides do this. But in one case, you got <laughs> a dozen Republican states doing it. In another case, in the Democrats' case, you've got one state doing it in Maryland. All right, so here Dave Daly uh, is... Both sides. Both, uh, both sides. sides do it. Yeah, there you go. Even Stephen... You know, and and that uh, unfortunately is the argument. The role of Crystalliza on the broadcast today will be played by <laughs> Dave Daly. Yes, there you go. That is unfortunately that is what we hear from the Crystalizas on CNN and 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 elsewhere. Both sides do it. All right, here's where I I really what I really wanted to discuss with you and and David. I think you actually make my argument for me with those uh, it, with that data you just rattled through. I've been giving this a lot of uh, of thought over the past several weeks and months. You know, as democracy itself has sort of uh, come more and more under attack, and as I have done some sort of unthinkable things that I would have never called for in the past. For example, I recently highlighted arguments from longtime Republicans like Washington Post's Max Boot, arguing that he is now a single-issue voter. He will now vote for Democrats on the ballot, no matter who they are, no matter what their political positions are, until his old Republican Party becomes sane again, because he sees the you know, the Trump GOP is a threat to democracy itself. And I am having a very difficult time disagreeing with him, even as I am not a Democrat personally myself. I am a progressive. But, you know, I, I have never made such an argument that you should vote for any Democrat on the ballot because at this point our union may def uh, depend on it. Now I'm inclined to make that argument on this gerrymandering issue then, David. And I simply hate this solution. But I pondered it for months. It seems to me that Democratic-controlled uh, states, for the good of democracy itself, simply cannot unilaterally disarm in this battle. They're not going to get help from the federal courts. They're probably not going to get help from Congress. Blue states that can gerrymander, yes, extreme partisan gerrymanders, to give an unfair advantage, if you will, to Democrats in order to counter GOP states that are undermining democracy, the democratically controlled states, I believe, should now do so. And I, like I say, I hate that idea. Hate it. It goes against everything I've really stood for when it comes to democracy. But I think democracy itself now demands it. So two questions on this, David. Is it even possible for the score to be evened? In other words, are there states like New York where this you know, could be done? And how close would that come to evening up the score in Congress? And two, am I wrong to call on Democratic states to act as outrageously partisan as I have long objected to uh, when Republicans did it? You're not wrong, necessarily, to want Democrats to fight back and defend democracy. You're wrong, however, to think that this is the way to do it. Why? Because the simple math does not add up. Let's say Democrats do the most extreme gerrymander they can in New York mm -hmm. and take five seats there. 
let's say they me, meaning they could add meaning meaning they can party uh, uh, gerrymander in New York to actually add five more Democratic seats than would otherwise uh, you could than, than otherwise in the House. Draw a twenty-three. You could conceivably draw a twenty-three-three map in New York. Okay, good. That sounds good. You could conceivably <laughs> conceivably draw a fourteen-three map in Illinois. Okay. You could conceivably draw an eight-zero map in Maryland. Mm-hmm. A 3-0 map in New Mexico and a 5-1 map in Oregon. Okay. Sounds good. That gets you 10 seats. All right. That's about all you can get from the most aggressive partisan gerrymanders Democrats can do. Okay. On the other hand, Republicans are going to pick up at least two in Texas, at least two in Georgia, as many as three in North Carolina, Another one in Kentucky, three in Florida, perhaps one in Missouri, one in Tennessee, one in New Hampshire, one in Kansas. That's about twice as many seats. Mm -hmm. The math for Democrats doesn't add up if you do this. It's such a classic Democratic move, right? You finally play hardball, but you pick a game you can't win. (laughs) It's bad basic politics, right? If Democrats want to play hardball, God bless them. Go play hardball. Pack the courts. Add justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. Add states. Reform the way the U.S. Senate works. Instead, right now what the Democrats are doing is they have surrendered the judiciary. They're going to let voter suppression and gerrymandering carry away the House. They failed to use this opportunity to do any of the things that actually could help, like adding states and defending against minority rule or reforming the Electoral Counts Act of 1876, Mm -hmm. right? These are the things that they can do. You could pass the Joe Manchin-approved Freedom to Vote Act Uh and ban partisan gerrymandering. The Democrats could end this not by killing these weak gerrymanders themselves. Mm -hmm. They could end this by using the power that they have to pass a law that puts an end to it. Yes, Dave. And they refuse to do that. Okay, David. rearranging death scares on the Titanic, it might feel better momentarily to say, we'll screw you in New York just the same way you screwed us in North Carolina, but it doesn't add up to power. Okay, David, let me counter that. First, Joe Manchin, though he supports the Freedom to Vote Act, he does not currently support reforming the filibuster that would be needed in order to pass the Freedom to Vote Act. To say Democrats are not doing these things when really what it is is Joe Manchin, Republicans, and one or two senators like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema not allowing them to do those things. That's not that's not Democrats failing to do that. That's Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema and the Republicans stopping Democrats from doing it. But that said, if it I'm for not what, sure that message is going to help. Well, OK, Democrats never. Twenty two. Never. OK. OK. I mean, no, well, never mind sure. the messaging for the moment. OK. My point is that. They can't do that right now in the Senate, in in Congress, because of that obstructionism. Meanwhile, back in the states, the states actually can take this action, take these actions. They can do this in New York if they want to. It doesn't, uh, you know, the filibuster and and Joe Manchin don't affect New York state legislators. Now, they might not get all of the seats. As you say, uh, you know, they they can pick up 10, whereas Republicans can gerrymander 20. 
2020? Yeah, well, so be it. That still puts them a hell of a lot closer to to being able to retain a majority and save democracy, ultimately, even with these rather undemocratic actions, if you will, back in the states. Congress can't do anything. The states can. Why shouldn't they? Because what you're doing here is Democrats are going to lose the House in 2022. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about here is the difference between losing the House by 232-203 or 236-199. That is deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm. They've got to use the power that they have in this moment to actually solve the problem. Yes, and but that's a Democrats, separate issue, Democrats David. campaigned. It's not. Democrats campaigned and Democrats mm-hmm. won by saying we will protect and preserve voting rights. They made this their top priority. They went to Georgia and they said, you give us these two seats, we will come back. Mm -hmm. For the People Act is House Bill 1. It's Senate Bill 1. And if Joe Manchin stops it, it's not going to be just because Joe Manchin stopped it, right? It's going to be because Democrats were unable to find the right combination of carrot and stick to move okay. the Mansion. All right, I, no, I listen. Which is the power of these guys, you know? Let's start taking away military bases in Arizona uh, and West Virginia. That, so let's start doing the things to these senators that would actually bring them along. All right, well, we're... Gerrymandering the hell out of New York doesn't do that. No, but it pushes back. And listen, David, the fact is, and not just as a feel-good thing, the fact is the Republicans are going to do exactly what you described. You know, and and again, I said earlier, if you can, you know, stop them in courts, uh, you can challenge in any of the states, whether it's Republicans challenging Democrats or vice versa. I'm fine with that in the in the state courts. Fight it out there. But we know that Republicans are, in fact, going to add 20 states and to unilaterally disarm, as you were suggesting that state Democrats do. um, I'm not suggesting that unilaterally disarm. I am certainly not in favor of unilateral disarmament. I'm in favor of playing hardball, but with rules that actually win the game and not wins that allow you to lose the game 8-7 instead of 10-7. Okay. Well, we are going to, uh, I suspect, (laughs) continue this discussion in the days and weeks and months ahead. Like I said, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like the argument that I'm making, but I think the argument I'm making yeah. is uh, is necessary, David. And we'll listen. We're gonna. I hope we can open up uh, the phones in the coming days. People can write to me. I am Bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find David Daly on the Twitters. He is Dave Daly the number three, and Daly is spelled D-A-L-E-Y. Dave Daly three. And you can also, of course, uh, find his uh, work at fairvote.org, where he is a senior fellow fighting the good fight and uh, willing to come on here and uh, anytime, I suspect, and tell me why I'm wrong about anything. David, I really appreciate your time here, my friend. Any any other uh, closing oh, thoughts? Any, any closing thoughts that I, I, I had to cut you off from? I don't mean to do that. No, no, not at all. You know, I'm not in favor of unilateral disarmament in the slightest. What I want to do is to fight back in a way that I think would actually be effective and meaningful. And I think um, Democrats have got to wake up and play constitutional hardball, but it's got to be in a way that is designed to actually win and hold power. 
Got it. David Daly, greatly appreciate you joining us today, my friend. I hope we can uh, do more of this in the future. I suspect the opportunity will come up. We're going to see a few of these gerrymanders uh, in the days ahead. Uh, thanks, David. Really appreciate it, my friend. I think we will. Anytime. Bye-bye. All right. You can find David Daly's book at your favorite book outlet. One of them is sounds like Rat Flipped. The true story behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy and, yes, how the Republicans did that in beginning in 2010. And his newest book is Unrigged, How Americans Are Battling Back to Save Democracy. Okay, I know I noticed you were jotting down some notes there furiously, Des, before I get to a break. You have yeah, some thoughts on I did all have this, some thoughts. You? It seems like even though David Daly says that this is not the right way to do it, the Democrats would not pick up very many seats. It seems like, well, picking up any seats in the House, uh, making the loss not quite as bad as it is predicted to be in the 2022 mm. midterms, seems like making it not as bad is a good thing. You know, I think so, too. And I think just the idea that, you know, Democrats, they they want to play it fair and square. And I do understand that. I mean, I've never called for something like this. I, I think that it is terrible for these states, for these voters, these mm-hmm. Republican voters to sort of get shut out in their own states. The bigger picture is I think it's good for democracy ultimately because republicans are doing this anyway and uh that is terrible for democracy and where all of this heads us yeah it also seems like there should be some kind of consequences some kind of uh, pain involved in uh responding to how republicans have done this to democracy so if you don't extract any consequences by saying hey look we're going to do that to you too then is there no way there's no reason for them not to try to do it as often as they can as they used to call it during the cold war mutually assured destruction perhaps (laughs) anyway i do hope to you know if you have any thoughts on this i'd love to hear from you i am bradcast at bradblog.com maybe on our next show we'll try to open up the phone lines uh to see where every where listeners are on this uh are they with me are they with david are they got other ideas i'd love to Love to hear that. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do that in the days ahead. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back with our final story on today's broadcast. Oh, Desi Doyen, I'm sure you're going to love this one. <laughs> okay. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Oh, rubber ducky, you're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Boy, I used to love that song. It was my favorite song. My my dad one time went away to a, a convention. He was a wholesale distributor. It was a toy convention. Came back with a suitcase full of rubber duckies. Oh, you must have been king in the neighborhood. Uh, well, I was king of the bathtub, that's for sure, uh, with all those duckies. Uh, why am I playing that song? Well, it seems like some... Uh, politicians have not uh, moved beyond the science lesson that they learned from Sesame Street 
I'll explain. We've got some <laughs> off-year elections coming up next month, uh, perhaps most notably at the moment in Virginia, where former Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe is running against uh, this year. Uh, he's running again this year. He's running against uh, the Trump-endorsed Glenn Youngkin, and the race is said to be neck and neck at this point. But there is also the battle for control of the state legislature in Virginia, which Democrats finally took over a few years ago. And they've been adopting a whole bunch of progressive policies ever since with the Democratic governor. That after years of GOP domination and, uh, yes, gerrymandering in the state. Walter Einenkel of Daily Coast picked up this story a few days ago, which well, here's how it goes. A Trump-loving Republican candidate for state legislature in Virginia has some interesting thoughts on climate change. Yeah, that's why I thought you'd like this oh one, boy. Des. Uh, replace the word interesting, he writes, with painfully ludicrous and add some sarcastic quotes, uh, quotation marks around thoughts. Scott Pio is running for state rep against incumbent Democratic delegate David Reed in Loudoun County's uh, 30, uh, District 32. On Monday, Pio tweeted out an image that seemed to represent marine vessels in the waterways and oceans around North America. And in fact, as Pio's screenshot makes clear, there are tons and tons of ships on the ocean around North America at any given time. Not quite as many as the graphic makes it appear because, you know, each ship in this particular picture of North America and then all the ships around it, you know, each ship would have to be the size of Manhattan the way this particular map works so that you could see the ships. Otherwise, you wouldn't right. see the ships if it was a, you know, when a you're looking shot. at a gigantic global right. satellite view. Right. So the ships are much larger. And so it looks like, man, it looks like there's nothing but ships out there in the ocean. Obviously, the ships are not the size of Manhattan. It's, you know, just meant to show maritime traffic and where all the ships actually are at in the ocean at any given time. So back to Einenkel here. Mr. Pio took things to a new and ridiculous place by thinking by thinking these words and then typing them on purpose. Quote, I'm curious. Do you think the sea level would lower if we just took all the boats out of the water? <laughs> So very quickly, uh, Pio's thought experiment, he said, just a thought, not a statement. His thought experiment uh, went viral. People were still trying to parse whether or not this was some sort of performance art or humor piece or whether it was a serious statement from this Republican candidate. Mr. Pio eventually took the post down. But because the Internet lives forever and the Democratic group Blue Virginia made sure they had a screenshot of it, which they reposted along with this important information, quote, this guy's an actual candidate for the Virginia House of Delegates. Yes, this is today's Republican Party for you. And uh, Einenkel notes, if you had any question as to whether or not this was a tweeted joke that went sideways on this guy, Pio actually responded to Blue Virginia <laughs> okay. to make sure that you could uh, put uh, the idea that this was a joke to bed. Uh, apparently, he's not the brightest bulb in the bottom of the GOP barrel of broken bulbs, says Einenkel. So when the Loudoun Democrats, uh, when they picked up this original tweet and they retweeted it uh, and they said that, quote, um, 
Pio was dangerously incapable of holding public office. Scott Pio fired back to say, when you take things out of bathwater, the bathwater decreases, does it not? Mm. <laughs> he said, got a lot of hate from your group for asking a question about taking things out of the water. Curious when you stopped believing in pure physics. <laughs> I guess you don't believe in science experiments. Hmm. So it seems the Republicans have found some quality GOP candidates to run for the uh, state legislature in in Virginia again this year. And by the way, he's uh, Scott Pio uh, is is also, well, pretty much against any kind of mandates on anything. Masks, vaccines. Anything else, I guess. Wearing pants, stop signs, I don't know. Seatbelts, maybe. He wants to, quote, protect women's rights and privacies, but mostly because he just doesn't want trans Virginians using the bathrooms, it seems. Uh, he says, quote, critical race theory should disappear, unquote. Of course, Pio is a Republican white guy, so, yeah, he probably doesn't wish to talk about how hundreds of years of racism has been embedded in our society and legal system to allow a buffoon like him to run, to both run for public office and to suggest removing boats from water would end sea level rise. Yeah, I imagine the U.S. Navy might have a problem with that. With and removing all the boats? Yeah, 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 maybe. And also, I think we should point out that, of course, this is actually quite dangerous for Virginians, residents of Virginia, because Virginia has big exposure to rising sea level right now. And if you uh, get somebody who's so dangerously ignorant in power, they can really, really harm Virginia's economy and the assets of Virginians if they fail to recognize and address these threats. That, of course, is our never dangerously ignorant <laughs> producer, Desi Doyen. Thank you very much. Thanks to my guest today, David Daly of FairVote.org, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com, all of which is made possible by listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. We'd love to hear your opinions on whether Democrats should partisan gerrymander or not. You can also find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. I got to go take a bath. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. you're so fine. And I'm lucky that you're mine. Rubber ducky, I'd like a whole pond of rubber ducky. I'm awfully fond of you.